0: 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses, uh, let's read verses 12 through uh, 14 this morning. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, Admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. This is God's holy inspired word. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we come to you now in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and by the strength and power of your Spirit. And we ask, Lord, that you would give us grace to hear your word this morning. We ask, Lord, that you would bring understanding to our minds and faith to our hearts uh, Lord, we pray that this morning uh, we would not uh, fail to acknowledge that we are all weak and that we are all in need of help. Uh, we pray that we would look to you and to those whom you have united us to uh, for the help that you command us to give. Lord, I decrease that you may increase, become less so that you can become more. Be glorified in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning once again, brothers and sisters. Uh, again, I greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, we are continuing our short series this morning, Encouragements While We Wait. Uh, in the fifth chapter of the letter to the church of Thessalonica, the Apostle Paul gives some final commands to the church. Uh, these commands, as you know, Come just after the Apostle Paul's encouragement that the day of the Lord, that is the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, will come for many. Yeah. Not for the church, but for many, the return of Christ will come like a thief in the night. It would be unexpected. No instruction was needed for this this truth. Christ will return and praise God. In verse nine, Paul says, God has not destined us for wrath, not us, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that, listen to what he says, whether we are awake or asleep, that is when Christ returns, whether you are still alive or whether you have already passed, we will live together, Paul says. We have, by the grace of God, been united to Christ through faith in him alone. And because there is, as Ephesians 4, 5 tells us, one Lord, one baptism and one faith, we have been united to one another in the one Lord, Jesus Christ. We share a common faith. We have all. Because of our united faith, our common faith, we've been united, baptized into Christ. Whether we are awake or whether we sleep the sleep of death, we live together here and shall live together there in glory. But God commands for us who are still here through the pen of the Apostle Paul, uh, that while we wait, there are things that we must do. Encouragements. We've called them encouragements, but they really are first and foremost commands. And we said they're encouragements while we wait. We we wait. They they really could be changed. The title could be changed. Commands while we wait. Encouragements just seems more encouraging. Christ has commanded his bride. As we, she, waits for his blessed return and for holy consummation. That we appreciate those who have been given charge over us in the Lord. That is elders, pastors. That we are commanded to very highly esteem our elders because of their work in the Lord. We have also been commanded to live in peace with one another. Live in peace. Peace is maintained as we... Admonish the unruly, listen to these, live in peace because we are to, in the meantime, admonish unruly people. Encourage the faint hearted, help the weak and be patient with everyone. Uh, No one should repay evil for evil, Paul goes on to say. Uh, We must seek also the good for all people, not just those whom you like, all people. Rejoice then at all times. Pray without ceasing. Uh, give thanks in, in everything. That, this is God's will for our lives, Paul says. And as I, I think, as we hear God's word, it is quite evident that we are being forewarned by God. Of what? That in the church, until Christ returns, there will be unruly, faint-hearted, weak saints. And we must be patient with them all. Paul says, through the commands of, of God, uh, we are to admonish unruly, encourage faint-hearted, help the weak. We must therefore not be surprised or dismayed, nor should we divide when these types of people and situations arise in our church. We have been foretold beforehand. What we are to do when these challenges are presented to us. We are commanded to live in peace in spite of these challenges. Admonish, encourage, and help. Who? Uh, unruly, faint-hearted, and weak. Do you see the two aspects here? There is an aspect of those who are strong, an aspect of those who are weak. And we are living together. I think we should all let that, that statement just kind of sit in our minds for a moment. There are There's an aspect of those who admonish, those who encourage, and those who help, and those who are unruly, uh, those who are faint-hearted, and those who are weak, and we are all living together, be patient with one another. Through it all, we are to seek what is good, rejoice, pray, give thanks, and be diligent in God's word. Uh, let me encourage you with this. There is no perfect church. Each church is flawed. And they are flawed because they are occupied by flawed saints, you and I. Who are being sanctified day by day and awaiting the glory that is ours in Christ Jesus. And this morning, with God's help, we shall center our attention on this command. Help the weak. Uh, Let me ask you, saints... uh, Who are the weak? As we survey the scriptures, we will see the weak encompasses those who are physically weak and those who are spiritually weak. Uh, The weak physically are described in the gospels such as Luke chapter 4 and verse 40. Listen to this verse. All those who had any, uh, all those who had any sickness or were sick with various diseases were brought to him, Jesus and he was laying hands on each of them and healing them this is the sick or the weak or Matthew 4:24 so his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick or weak those afflicted weak with various diseases and pains those oppressed by demons the weak those having seizures and paralytics and those having seizures and paralytics and he healed them the weak This is encompassing both spiritually and physically. Uh, The weak are those with uh, various diseases. They are those with afflictions in their bodies. But they are those who are also spiritually afflicted. Uh, Weak is a general word for human frailty or spiritual frailty, weakness. The weak are, again, those who are not just physically weak but spiritually weak. And let me say this, that is morally weak. In the Garden of Gethsemane, the Lord Jesus called his disciples to watch and pray. Why? Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, spiritually weak. Why were they not not able to pray for one hour? Because they were tired? No. Because they were spiritually weak. It is important to make the distinction between wickedness and weakness. The wicked are those who are not spiritually weak. They are spiritually dead. They are in desperate need of a new heart. That's the distinction. If someone sins, it doesn't mean that they're wicked. It means that they're weak, especially if they're a believer. The spiritually weak, that is morally weak, they are wrestling against sin. And those who find themselves often in this wrestling match often find themselves losing the battle. They are in need of help, not a new heart. It is because they have a new heart that they are wrestling against sin, grieving over their sin. So there's a distinction between wickedness and weakness. Romans 5, 6, while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. And praise be to God that he has died for us to redeem us from our slavery of sin. Uh, to give us victory in his accomplished work. And in our weakness, and be encouraged by this, Hebrews 4:15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to, remember last week, sympathize with our weaknesses. But one who has been tempted in all things, as we are yet without sin. Our great high priest has passed through the heavens. Christ has taken on our flesh. He has himself been subjected to the law. Christ has known temptation, not from within, but from without. And he has endured it. Christ has remained pure. He's known our pains and our human weakness and yet has overcome to give us victory. And I will tell you now before the end of our sermon, here's the, here's the answer before the question. Our help first and foremost comes In Christ, our help is first and foremost in Christ, in knowing and rejoicing in his victory over death and the grave. Where is your help from? Above. Your help is first and foremost from above. And Christ has called you and I in the meantime, while we wait for his return, to help his church to help those who find themselves physically weak or spiritually weak how are we to help them help means this it means to be devoted it means holding fast it means holding firm it is a not letting go refusing to let go of being dedicated retaining whom the weak It is because the weak are your brother and your sister that you are to stand firm with them. You have, as a member of this church, you have covenanted. You have committed. When they made their confession of faith. You committed to uphold them. Uh, When they stood here before you and you affirmed their testimony. You are saying, I will help to keep you accountable if you are weak. You said that. I said that when you heard their testimony and, and recall, imagine, remember where you were sitting on this side of the, of the church when we had those members meetings and you heard that beloved brother or sister giving you their testimony, that they were declaring that their faith is the same as yours, uh, same Lord, same baptism. And you raised your hand and affirmed their testimony. When you raised your hand and affirmed their testimony, you committed yourself to them and they to you. I recall the days when my, I hope she doesn't take this embarrassing, it's not meant to be. I recall the days when my father would take my sister to go run by the canal at our house. And when they would return, he would always taunt her. Because they got back and he would always say she was crying because she couldn't keep up with me. My sister was known to be the fastest in the school. She couldn't keep up with me, though, Dad would say. She couldn't keep up with me. She was calling out for him, stop, wait. And he would say, taunting her, daddy, wait, daddy, wait. Well, the command of Christ to his church is for us to wait for those who find themselves unable to keep up. For those of us who find ourselves weak at some point, we are called, commanded, to wait, to help. We must hold them fast. Hold them up. Don't let them go. Remember, uh, months ago, we talked about us running this Christian race together. It is this imagery of us grabbing hands and running together. Uh, I'm not saying, see you at the finish line. Hope you get there. Letting go of hands and running as fast as you can. This morning, with God's help, we shall consider four, I hope, encouragements. For the sick and for the strong, and actually in, in the reverse, for the strong and then for the weak. Let's deal with these this morning. To the strong first, number one. To the strong, help the weak. To the strong, help the weak. First Thessalonians chapter uh, five and verse 14, help the weak. Uh, The command is first and foremost to who? It's to the strong. Uh, The command is not first and foremost to the weak, it's to the strong. When the apostle refers to the strong men, he does not mean those who have never experienced any kind of weakness. If you live any length of time in this life, you will inevitably experience weakness in some form. I love when I see young men like my nephew who think they're invincible. They've got all the energy in the world, all of the stamina in the world. You wait. There will be a time when your energy runs out. There will be a time when you will be weak. For any of us, we hate to acknowledge weakness. For all of us, we hate to acknowledge that we are somehow some way in need of help. The apostle is referring to those who are strong spiritually for the time being, strong physically or spiritually for the time being, that those who are well, those who are running well for the time being. To help those who for the time being are not. You may be the kind of person who physically is strong. But it's just for now. One of my heroes all of a sudden died yesterday. Marvelous Marvin Hagler. One of the baddest men to ever put on gloves. All of a sudden dead. If you are not weak now, you will be weak at some point. But while you are strong, you are called to help those who are weak. How can you help them? What are you to do? You can't take strength out of your body and put it into their bodies. What are you to do? These are going to be some very practical, I think, reminders that we all know that we can do and do better. Here's the first one. Visit them. Visit the sick. Visit the weak. The Lord Jesus Christ, speaking of ways that we could do good to our fellow men made in God's image, said this: "I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me." And the disciples asked, "Lord, when did we do, did we do all these things? Uh, when you do the least, or when you do these things to the least of these, you do them unto me?" Christ said. We all know the loneliness of being sick. When we are sick, we know what it is to feel utterly helpless. When we are injured, we know what it is to feel utterly alone. Some of us know the the loneliness of being in a hospital. Doesn't, Doesn't anyone care that I'm here? You look to your phones when you come out of the anesthesia. Not one, I hope you feel better. Not one person asking, can I bring you a meal? And to have one visitor, especially one who is called brother, especially one who is called sister, to come beside you and encourage you to fight on. What a blessing that is. I am shamed. When I hear stories that are told of pastors of days gone by. Who would visit the sick in times where there were no medicines readily available. uh, When they would be putting their lives in jeopardy simply by going and visiting the sick. Lord, I am convicted. These pastors, they would not drive. They would walk. Or ride a horse to the homes of the sick, of the weak, and sit there and pray with them. It is a ministry of mercy. I am convicted. How many times have I been told of someone's sickness in the church? And knew that it was my responsibility, as one of the shepherds, to visit them but honestly view that time as more of a burden for me than a blessing for them. May I say to you, dear sojourner, dear dear pilgrim, visiting the weak is not time wasted. It will be a help to the sick and it will be an encouragement to them. And it will be a blessing to the Lord because it's what He has commanded us to do for the least of these. We do unto Him. Quite possibly it will, for some of us, not be a personal visit. But we are further guilty because we have these devices, don't we? We have these devices that can eliminate the travel, that can eliminate the possibilities of us catching a sickness, and we still don't use them. We have our phones, we have our computers, and we still won't just pull it out and the resistance that's from our hands just text them or just call them. It's like someone is pulling our arm back saying, no, don't do it. It's us. It's us in our own sinfulness. The physically weak, they're not able to stand. They're not able to leave their homes. And so it's our responsibility to go to them Go to them. And and dear saint, you need not be a doctor of medicine to bring cheer to the the body of the weak. Your encouragements, your prayers, your smiles, maybe even the cooking of some of you, can bring great cheer to the body of the weak. Are you strong in body? Help the weak. Look around you. Take into account those who you know are, are maybe normally sick or maybe those who you don't see this morning and, and find out if there's any way that you can encourage their souls. And this could be physical, but it also could be mental and emotional. We have members in our church who, who deal with different kinds of emotional weaknesses, of mental weaknesses. Make it your objective to reach out to them in mercy and in love. How are you, sister? How are you, brother? Ask them, can I pray with you? Ask God's mercy upon their body, upon their mind. And may I encourage you, truly pray for them. Don't say you're going to pray for them as we often do and then do not. If you're going to pray for them, or say you're going to pray for them, pray for them. And and do one better. Pray while you're right there. Don't say, I'll pray for you and then walk away and forget. I'll pray for you. Let's pray now. And while we're on the subject, how in the world will this church ever spiritually grow and mature if we do not see prayer and corporate prayer that we have on the first Sunday of every Lord's Day at the end of the month? How will this church ever grow and mature if we do not see prayer as a priority and vitally necessary for our souls? How Lord's day after Lord's day. We need to pray last Lord's day. Listen to this. We prayed only for the faint hearted. Last Lord's day evening, we gathered the small group of us in comparison to what I see now. And we only prayed for the faint hearted. And dear brothers and sisters, You would be amazed by those who sit in front of you, behind you and around you. How many are low, sorrowful, downcast? If you care to know. Do not take it for granted or assume everyone's fine. We need you to pray with us. I need you to pray for me. There is no move of God without prayer. Matthew Henry said, you may soon find a living man who does breathe. May not soon find a living man who does not breathe as a Christian who does not pray. There are no dead men who are breathing. And there are no Christians who don't pray. Pray for us. Thomas Brooks says, if without prayer, it's like a house without a roof. Open and exposed to all the storms of heaven. Make personal and corporate prayer essential for your lives, dear pilgrim. You may not be able to visit the weak. You may not be able to cook for them. You may not be able to sit at the bedside of the weak, but you can sit and kneel at your bedside and pray. Pray for God to be merciful. And when you encourage the weak, call them to look to Christ. Whether it be physically or emotionally, mentally, the greatest encouragement that you can give the weak is to call them to look to Christ. Do not promise them that in this life they will get better. They may not. But there is a greater hope of a body that is whole in the resurrection. There is hope for your decaying body. 1 Corinthians 15 speaks of new bodies that we will have in the resurrection. Call the weak to look beyond this body. To look beyond present sufferings. And to look to a joy that is for all those who have repented and placed their faith in Christ. For he has promised us a glorified body. He is the first fruits of the resurrection. Strong ones. I urge you, I call you to be committed to this kind of help. It's been commanded by our shepherd. And we must be committed to it until he returns. Now to the weak. Physically, that is, those of you physically weak who need help. May I first say to you, there is no shame in needing help. There is only shame in not asking for help. You need help? Ask someone. It's the same thing that you say to your kids when they go into the kitchen and they grab things that they should not grab. They reach for things that they should not reach for. Do you need help? Let me help you. Why are you grabbing all these things? Things are falling all over the place. Why do they do it? Because I think I, I've got it. Ask for help. Do you know, dear wanderer, dear, dear dear pilgrim, that the shortest prayer for help is found by Simon Peter when he sees the wind and the waves and begins to drown. His prayer to the Lord is this, Lord, save me. Help me. And this may be the cry of the week every moment of every hour. Lord, I need your help. And it may be that only the Lord hears your cry, because maybe you are only making your request known to the Lord. It is appropriate to cry out to God. It is also impro- appropriate to call out to the saints that you call brother and sister. James five fourteen says, "Is there any sick among you?" He asked. Notice James asked the question to the readers. So we also ask you: Are you sick? Are you weak? James' response and remedy is this. For this is, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Confess your sin one to another, James says, and pray for one another that you be healed. There can be none of this kind of prayer if there is no confession. If there is no speaking up. If there there is no saying and stating what need you have. Brothers and sisters, there is no place in the Scriptures nor in the church for those who keep their sufferings to themselves. There is no place in the scriptures for those who suffer in silence. We have been commanded in Galatians 6.2 to bear one another's burdens. So then, dear week one, you are not obeying the command if you are not giving the church the opportunity to bear your burden with you. It may seem like humility to not say anything about your weakness. It's really pride. Uh, Speaking about athletics again, the the person who's playing sports, who pretends like the rolled ankle's not that bad, will only make it worse. Who pretends as though the hamstring is not really there, will only make it worse. I can handle it. I'll be okay. I don't want to burden anyone. That's not, that's not humility. That's pride. That's pride. I don't want to bother you with it. Why not? Well, because you've got so much on your plate. Really, I don't see a lot of that, that much on my plate. How do you know how much is on my plate? We've been commanded to be burdened. Do you realize that? We've been commanded to be burdened. We have been commanded by Christ to carry the burdens of others. Therefore, you've been commanded to be burdened. And those who are burdened are commanded to share their burdens. So that we can be burdened with your burden. Allow others to help you. What is more, the Lord has provided means for your temporary afflictions. I say temporary. Your sickness will not last forever. Your weakness will not last for eternity. So use the means in the meantime. That have been provided for you with a healthy view of moderation. If doctors are prescribing medications, use the means. If doctors are prescribing a healthier lifestyle, use the means. If doctors are prescribing vitamins and rest and exercise, use the means. The weak have less to reasonably and justifiably complain about if they're not trusting the wisdom of those who have studied the body. And who are intending to help and improve your quality of life. Doctor said, I'm, I take medicine. I'm not taking it. How do you feel? I feel weak. Why do you feel weak? I'm not taking the medicine. Why aren't you taking the medicine? You have no reason to complain if you're not doing the things that have been required of you. Doctor said, I need to work, I need to exercise and, and stop eating the sugars. What have you been doing? I just left in and out and I'm gonna go get an ice cream right now. Well, you're not helping yourself, are you? How can you justifiably complain If you're not actually taking the advice of those who have been charged to care for you. To the weak. Do what you must and what is required in order to improve the quality of your life. And remember this. Your sickness will not just affect you. It affects everyone. Everyone who loves you. Your weakness will affect those who are around you. We need you here. When you're weak, it does the body no good. When you are suffering, it does the body no good. We want you to be a part of this. We need you. We need your encouragements. When you're not here because you're sick, we need your encouragements. When you're not here because you're sick, we need your reproves. When you're not here because you're sick, we need your corrections. Just as much as you do. Seek to be disciplined in a healthy lifestyle. I'm not going to tell you what to eat. No, that's, not, that's your business but it requires self-control, whatever it is. It is true that there are some who can for a time, and I say for a time, it will catch up to them, but there are some who for a time can get away with an undisciplined lifestyle and have no real physical effects. You you can see them, they look in perfect health, health and shape, and they eat like a teenager. And then there are others who must be very disciplined or else their bodies will shut down. Don't be faint-hearted. I wish I could eat all those things. Isn't the body more than food and drink, Jesus says? I wish I can do all those things. Aren't there greater pleasures found in Christ? Christ is better than a healthy body. Christ is better than the absence of any disease. We must learn to be content in Christ. Whether I am sick or whether I am healthy... My satisfaction and contentment does not come from those things. It comes from Christ. The Apostle Paul uh, said in a wonderful verse that's often misused because it's misunderstood. Listen to this, and then you'll hear the verse. Uh, Philippians four ten. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Listen to why. That now at last you have review, revived, uh, that you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but lacked opportunity. Not that I, I seek or need want. Uh, For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances. I know how to get along with humble means. And I also know how to live in prosperity. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering. Here's the secret. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The ability to persevere, uh, to do all things, is simply because the Spirit's work in Paul's life who worked in Him contentment. I'm content. I'm satisfied. I can press on because I'm content. Not in riches. Not in poverty. Not in sickness. Those things can be present or they can be absent. But they cannot take Christ away from me. I'm satisfied in Christ. No matter what I have or do not have. Christ satisfies. Sicknesses will not last. Christ will. Uh, Pain will not last. Christ will. So in those seasons, both in good and in lack, pray for contentment in Christ. You could have a million dollars and say, this is wonderful. Then find yourself finding your contentment in the million dollars. And as it wanes and goes away, so does your contentment. Or you can be broke. Have no money to your name. And say, I am. I'm completely empty. No. Whether you are in prosperity or in lack, your contentment is in Christ. Whether you are sick or whether you are well, because you will be on one of those spectrums at some point in your life, Christ is my satisfaction. Christ is your source of peace. It may be the will of God that you live in sickness until the day that you die. To God be the glory. No one wants to hear that. It may be the will of God that you live in sickness until the day you die or Christ returns to God be the glory. Your peace is not found in a healthy body. It's found in Christ. What does Paul say? Though I suffer now for a little while and none of us, none of us knew suffering more than Paul. None of us knew affliction more than Paul. Go back and read. Go back and read what Paul went through. You ever been beat? And left for dead? Not once, but twice? Left for dead in the sea? Left for dead on the land? Chased everywhere you go? No. And still he can say, but my contentment is found in Christ. One being left for dead would have been enough for me. (laughs) There's an expiration date to your weakness. There's an expiration date to your weakness. But there is no expiration date to your joy and contentment in Christ. It will last for eternity. Say to the weak, and I say to the weak, This too shall pass. This shall pass. Now, there's another form of weakness that we need to deal with before we close. So our third point to the spiritually strong. Help the spiritually weak to the spiritually strong. Help the spiritually weak. The weak are not just those who are weak physically, but they are those who are weak spiritually. That is this again. they, They wrestle against sin. As we stated in the beginning, it's not that they're wicked. Wicked are those who do not wrestle against sin. The wicked don't wrestle wrestle against sin. The believer does. The, the wicked embrace sin. They, they, they dance with sin. They don't wrestle with sin. And dear brothers and sisters, your wrestling, and I say to all of us, your wrestling and your grapplings with these sins do not mean that you are unregenerate. The fact that you grapple is evidence toward your regeneration. Some know, mo- some are, some are a brown belt. Some are still a white belt, but you're still rolling. No one's a black belt. No one has arrived. We all wrestle with some degree. Or another would sin. All of us. Some of our grappling mass matches may be more visible than others, but we would be dishonest if we did not acknowledge that we all wrestle against sin. Be that the sin of having other gods before the one Triune God. Be that the sin of worshiping idols. Be that the sin of uh, uh, idols, material persons, places, etc. Be that the sin of taking God's name in vain. Be it the sin of not honoring the Sabbath. Uh, be it the sin of disobedience to parents, sin of murder, adultery, theft, lying, coveting. We all are wrestling in some kind of way with some sin. If a man says that he has no sin, he is a liar and he makes God out to be a liar. The truth of God is not in him. The one who says that he has no sin makes God out to be a liar. Some of our dear brothers and sisters find themselves on the losing end of these grappling masses against sin. Maybe more than you find yourself on the winning end. Whatever the case, we are commanded to help the weak. We are commanded to help. Now, how are we helping them? How can we help the spiritually weak? In order to help those who are in this grappling match, you can't say, move over. I'll take him. You can't. It's not what we talked about last week. You cannot jump into their sin with them and say, I'm going to wrestle and be sorrowful with you. No. The way that you can help them is to love them. Number one. Your pursuit of your brother and sister is first and foremost based upon your union with Christ that you have together. Are they wrestling with sin? Go after them in love. Do you know that they are wrestling with a particular sin Find them, pursue them, show them the love of Christ. Why? Because they are your brother. They are your sister. You have been united by Christ. You are one in Christ. You are united in Christ. If you, if it is true that, that their faith is sincere, then your union will be an eternal one. Uh, your relationship with them will never cease. So then it's your obligation to go after them in love. They need to know they're loved. What do you most feel whenever you give in to sin? Whenever you are wrestling with sin? Guilt. And shame. And unworthiness. And what is the, the, uh, what is the uh, complaint against the church? What is the accusation against the church? That we're judgmental. That we have no sin. That, that we're throwing stones because There are no sins in our lives. And we are able to pick out specks with all the logs in our own. So then, what must we do? We must go to that one who is wrestling with sin and say to them, Dear brother or sister, Christ loves you. Christ has died so that you can put away that sin. And we love you. We are not throwing stones at you. We are here because we care for you and we are devoted to you. We are holding you fast and we won't let you go. The Father has promised that none will be able to be snatched from his hands. And so we are making maximum efforts that no one is snatched from the hands of this church or from this church. That no one... Not the world, the flesh, or the devil. The devil is able to take you, brother or sister, out of this church. We are devoted to you. We are helping you. We are holding fast. We are committed to you. We are devoted to you in love. We love you. How many times in the scriptures have we commanded, love one another, love one another, love one another. In spite of the sin that we often commit. Love one another. How many times have we commanded in the scriptures to look out for one another, to look out for the good of one another, to be merciful to one another? We help first and foremost by just showing love. I love you. But we also help with the law. God has given us his law. And when brothers and sisters have diverted from the path, we are called to hold them fast to the law. Now, someone may say, "Ah, that doesn't seem helpful. Maybe maybe the last thing that they need is to hear the law. The last thing that the wicked want to hear is the law. But the first thing, or at least the second or first thing that the righteous want to hear, the weak want to hear, is the word of God. What does God's word say to me? If they belong to Christ, their love for Christ and his commands, it quickens their soul. Christ has said this, if you love me, Keep my commands. Do you see that that combination of love and law? Christ says, if you love me, why don't you do what I command? There is the love of God and the law of God together in harmony. Uh, Not in contradiction with one another, but in harmony with one another. We must not give into this idea that uh, love means you simply accept any kind of action, even if the action is sinful. Even if the action is disobedient to the commands of Christ. Uh, Dear ones, are you wrestling with sin? Then good medicine for you will be that God loves you. So do I. You have confessed your faith in him. Repent and turn to him again. Turn to the path of righteousness in his word. God loves you. Now return to the path of righteousness. God loves you. Go back to his law. Go back to obedience. We cannot call evil good and good evil. We help the weak with love and the law. It's the way that God helped the weak. Who has condemned you? The woman caught in adultery. No one, sir. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. There was the love of God and the law of God harmonizing perfectly. We are dedicated to the weak. Yes, for their spiritual health and growth. If they are in sin, we cannot just dismiss it and be like, oh well, that's on them. Call them back to the faith. Return to Christ. We cannot allow them to fade into the darkness. We, the strong, for the time being spiritually, seek their restoration. We want them to turn from sin, don't you? Do do you enjoy seeing them walk on the path of unrighteousness? No. Then call them back to the path of righteousness. They've made a confession of faith before God and the church. We've affirmed them before everyone. You said, I'll be there for you. And they said, I want you to be. And I'm giving you freedom to be. Call them back to the light. When they're wandering in darkness. And listen to this. It is your business. It is your business. Don't take the position. I don't want to get into their business. It's none of my business. That's on them. Of course it's your business. When they joined the church, they opened up their life to us and their lives became our business. Your life became their business. Their life became your business. I'm I'm always concerned about those who, uh, when I speak to them, when I do different jobs, who say, yeah, they call me whenever I'm not there. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? They want to know where I am, all in my business. What's wrong with that? They care about you. Yeah, but they just think I'm in sin. Well, did you go to church? No, why not? Just didn't feel like it. Then you're in sin. Go back. It is our duty to point those who are wandering back to Christ. Encourage the weak that Christ is more satisfying than any sin that they are pursuing. We call them to repent and encourage them. There is mercy and forgiveness in Christ. He's promised to forgive you. He's promised as a part of the new covenant that he will not only forgive you, but he will cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. He will remember them no more. Christ loves you. He's given himself for you. You've agreed these things are true. Don't abandon the faith. Show that your faith is true. That you are only weak and not wicked. Tell them. Pick up the pace again. Now, come on. Let's get to running. You've ran with those from time to time. Or maybe it's been you running on your own on the treadmill where you say to yourself, Okay, come on, let's go. You're tired, and then, especially when you're running with a running mate, they grab you by the arm. Come on, you ready now? Let's go. Don't leave them behind. Don't let them go. They are those who are wrestling with sin. Be merciful to them every single time, no matter how many times. When one, when one won't come back, it should never be because we did not pursue them we did not forgive them and because we did not love and encourage them. It should never be because of that. They should never be able to indict us and say, they didn't encourage me. They didn't love me. They didn't welcome me back. No. Uh, The ones who don't come back, don't come back because they're goats. Not because they're sheep. We cannot let sheep wander away. Uh, The ones who are pushing their way out. I don't want to be restored. I won't repent. I won't turn from this sin. Those are the ones that, that... We cannot help. They don't want to turn from sin. But for the ones, the sheep who are coming back, let let me say to you, also encourage them this, not to fear church discipline. You know, some of us are new to church discipline. Some of us have experienced it in bad ways in the past. Church discipline is a boundary of protection for us. It's a safety net. It's meant to cause people not to fear joining a church, but to be encouraged to join the church. You mean that if I wander, they're going to call me back? You mean that someone will keep me accountable and I can keep them accountable? That's good news. Pursue the weak. And the only way that we stop pursuing is if they push themselves away. And when you call them back, be mindful of the sin that they are wrestling with. Lest you fall as well. Never look at the weak who are spiritually weak and say. I would never fall into that. I've been in church for coming up on 42 years. I've seen it all. Even from people I would have never expected. I have seen it all. Take heed lest you fall. Last and not least. Now to the weak spiritually. I implore you by the mercies of God. Use the means. What means? The means of grace. The Lord has given you us medicine for our souls. It is a weekly medicine for our spiritual restoration, health and well-being. And you know the means. The word of God, which is being spoken to you now. Prayer, the Lord's Supper, and Baptism. The Lord has promised to work through these means, to make us healthy and to build us up through these means. God exposes our sin and calls us to holiness. Through these means, we are assured of salvation and we are encouraged in our souls. Through these means, we are given grace to persevere and to press on, onward and upward. All of these are, and more, are available for us in these means. God has promised to bless these things. God has not promised to bless anything that we do, but only those things that he has provided for his church, for their growth. So too, you who are weak, if you stay away from the church, if you neglect the gathering of the saints, and neglect the means of grace, if you are not committed to regularly attend, if you, when you do attend, just go through the motions and are not coming to these means in faith, don't be surprised then if you're weak. Don't be surprised if you come to the means of grace and you don't receive because you didn't come in faith. You don't go to a gym and just stand in the gym and say, well, that was a good workout. You can't just stare at the treadmill and think 600 calories today. You got to get on it. How intently do you hear God's word? When God's word goes forward, do you sleep? When God's word goes forward, do you find yourself distracted by your phone? When God's word goes forward, do you find yourself looking at other others and seeing how they're responding to God's word rather than how you're responding to God's word? What's in your mind when you pray? Dr. Barcelos encouraged us when we pray, didn't he? Our minds, you know, he talks, our minds often wander. We often think thoughts we shouldn't think while we pray. We often slumber. He's my professor. I can talk like that. He does that all the time. He does that for R.C. Sproul and John Gershner, so I can do it to him. While he made us feel better about our failings when we pray, those encouragements were not meant to give us a license to continue spiritual bad habits. They were simply a reminder that you and I continuously need to repent and ask for grace. The darts come, and you felt better about yourself. Yeah, darts come to me too. He wasn't saying, yeah, let them come. That's good for you. He was saying extinguish them with the shield of faith. When you come to the table, what are your contemplations? When, when you, uh, when was the last time you remembered that you were baptized? What's the last time you remembered the water and how it felt? Your union with Christ as you went under, as you, you made your confession before and then went under and then came back up. What's the last time you remembered that you were baptized? Is the gospel not graciously presented and proclaimed in these sacraments? Think of the body and the blood of Christ proclaimed here. Think of the resurrection and the return of Christ promised there in the waters. I know, dear weak one, that you often feel afflicted, but the best way to battle your afflictions, your spiritual afflictions and spiritual weaknesses, is with spiritual truths. We must not, you must not allow how you feel to be the final word. But We are called to cast down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We are called to bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Only the truth of God can defeat the lie of the enemy. Uh, what did the Lord Jesus do when he was tempted? Thrice he said, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Dear one, when you are afflicted, I pray that your soul would be filled with God's word. Here is what God says. And that God's word has the final word on whatever you are feeling, whatever you are afflicted with. Here's what God says. I know how I feel now, but here is what God's word says. And I'll hold that as being true. This that I'm going through here, this that I'm going through here, it's just temporal. It's not going to last. And if it does, then to God be the glory. My faith will not be broken in Him. He's given us weapons. He's given you His eternal word. He's given you the armor so that you might be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil, He says. We are called to gird our loins with truth. Uh, to put on the breastplate of righteousness, to have our feet shod with the gospel of peace, taking up the shield of faith to extinguish the Satan's, or Satan's flaming arrows, taking up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Dear Saints, you who are not just weak, but you who are wanderers, pilgrims in this world, these words from Ephesians, they're not w- words void of power. They're not hype with no substance. These are the weapons that God has provided for your defense and offense against the schemes of the evil one. There's no command to remove the armor. Ooh, that was a good good fight when you go to bed. No, there's only the command to be armored, to be girded, to be equipped. And that requires great discipline. If, In the same way physically we spoke about for those who need physical discipline, we need spiritual discipline. I don't feel like praying. Pray. I don't feel like reading. Read. I don't feel like going to church. Go. I don't feel like coming to the table. Come. I don't feel like remembering my baptism. Remember it. Why? It's good for your soul. But I don't feel like it. Who's having the final word now? Your feelings or God's word. There's no letting up from the enemy. So then there should be no letting up from you. He's not gonna, uh, I'm gonna let him sleep tonight. Tonight, he's at a heart. I went at him hard today, I'm gonna back off for a little bit. He's not gonna let up. He is only obviously pushing as far as God will allow, but he's pushing. Don't get comfortable. Don't be content where you are. Always grow. Always semper reformand. Always reform. Always seek for the Spirit of God to further sanctify you. These are called practical spiritual disciplines. Uh, great athletes that we admire never stray away from the fundamentals. They do the basics that got them to where they are every single day. We don't graduate from not needing to pray anymore. I got that down. No, no longer needed anymore. We don't graduate from not needing to attend worship or gather with the saints anymore. That's not graduation. That's neglect, which leads to weakness. It requires then self-control. Just saying no to sin. Saying no to it. No. And you can eliminate all your temptations outside and still have temptations inside. You may call curses on yourself. But at the end of the day, if you can't say no, it'll do you no good. As Spurgeon once said, uh, if you learn how to say no, it'll be more profitable for you than learning Latin and Greek. Learning to say no. Learning to hate sin and love holiness. And if you're wrestling with sin, reach out for help. Whatever it is. Tell someone that you trust, I'm wrestling with sin. There's a generation, as we mentioned last week, there's a generation who tells everyone everything. Go on Facebook, they're going to tell you everything that, that they've ever thought in their whole mind. More than we need to know. And then there's a generation of times past that won't tell you anything they keep everything to themselves well we need to be somehow a balance you don't need to tell everyone what you need to tell someone and it needs to be someone that you trust someone that you know will give you good spiritual advice and encouragement and preferably be someone here in the church but i've been hurt in the church before People have talked about me in the church before. I've made myself vulnerable to people before, and I've gotten hurt. That doesn't give you a license to build up a wall around you. That doesn't make void and null the commands of Christ to love and to carry burdens and to share encouragement. You are going to get hurt. It's going to happen. Because you're in a church filled with flawed people. Not this church, of course, but in other churches. Accept it but be discerning who you share your your struggles with. Don't think that if you confess your sin, you're going to be the only one who's wrestling with it. And that everyone else is, I know they're all perfectly walking before God. They float around their house with wings. I know it. No, they don't. No, we don't. You'll be shocked by the sin and even the things that someone might say, you know, I wrestled with that before. I struggled with that before. I pray that would be an encouragement to your soul. Good, I'm not the only one. What does Peter say? There is uh, no temptation that is uncommon to all men. You're not going to say something that someone goes, what? I've never heard that before. That's a new one. No. And don't say this. Yeah, I was in sin, but no one kept me accountable. I've had plenty of people say, yeah, I did this, but you didn't ask me. You didn't keep me accountable to it. That doesn't make it okay for you. Confess it. Confess it because sin needs to be put to death and it is put to death in Christ. Confess it because sin can be forgiven and put to death in Christ. Confess it because God is faithful and just to forgive our sins. Confess it because that's what sheep do. Not goats. Goats keep it to themselves. Try to hide it. Sheep, they confess it. Because they're following the voice of their master, the shepherd. Let me close with this. God's covenant promise is this. That he puts his law within our hearts. He will be our God and we will be his people. He will remember our sin no more. This is why we continue to preach the gospel. That you can come back to the cross. That you can come to the cross. The cross is for wretches. The cross is for wicked people. It's for people. For weak and wicked. Wicked and then weak people. He's promised to forgive us. He's promised to give us grace. And there is no sin that is greater than the grace of God. So remember these. Because there will be a time when you are weak. You may be strong now. But you will eventually be weak. I pray that these words will not be far from your ears. God's strength, brothers and sisters, shines in our weakness. When we are weak, he is strong. I pray that you would remember that God has promised that he will never let you go. So though you be weak, do not despair. God has promised you will never be snatched out of his hand. Let's pray.